not helpful. My little sister over there always says some comment before I walk up here. She said, use your inside voice. Nice. It's nice having sister here. It's hilarious. Good morning. You good? Dude, you're looking good in the tie. Nice. Looking sharp. There you go. You got challenged? Didn't challenge by me, I'll tell you that. My son-in-law sent me, him and my daughter sent me a picture today from their church. He's wearing shorts and a t-shirt. He's like, tackle this. He's like, uh, I'm going to preach with shorts on. <laughs> That's my plan. There you go. I bumped into somebody at Home Depot the other day wearing shorts and a t-shirt. They were like, you wore Lance, right? And I was like, yeah, man, I wear shorts too. Back off. It's just kind of funny how people are like, anyway. Good morning. It's good to be here today. You good? Omar, like I said, he's pastoring his first service today. So excited. Man, if you get a chance to go on Facebook, go somewhere else and just kind of shoot him a big way to go, then uh, he'll be encouraged by that. I'll tell you that. So there's uh, nothing more daunting than, I remember the very first sermon I preached here. So, anybody here for that? We're here. I think you guys were here. You guys were here. Handful. I had a guy come up to me after my very first sermon. He came up to me and he goes, hey, uh, I hope you have more in the tank than that. <laughs> yeah, he's no longer here. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. No, no I'm kidding. Woo, yeah, that's rough. So hopefully Omar doesn't have that experience. That's good. Hey, listen, uh, we are in our week, our third week of our series entitled Guardrails. Guardrails, what are guardrails? Guardrails are those things, you know, of the white things that go along the side of the road as you're driving, you know, you try to stay away from them as best you can. They keep you inside the lines, if you will, so you don't drive off into a ditch. And all too often, we find ourselves, here's the thing that's amazing to us. I think life without guardrails, some sort of a barrier or a boundary could keep you from driving into a ditch. Without those, oftentimes I think we live life with more regret. We more regret because too often we drive ourselves into ditches. We run ourselves into trees. We hit ourselves into the bank, right? Because we don't have guardrails. Guardrails are boundaries, these healthy places that we put around our lives so that we don't wreck it, right? I love this definition of a guardrail. A guardrail is a safety system designed to keep your vehicle from straying into dangerous or off-limits areas. I love that. I'd even be so bold as to tell you, like I said last week, that a life lived with guardrails would probably be a life lived with far less regrets, because you would stay inside the lines more often. Last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the guardrails here at PSCC and what we hang on to, what we ascribe to. And certainly among many, there are four that we truly hang on to as a Foursquare church. They are all about Jesus. He's the guardrail with which if we stay our lives inside of these guardrails, we'll be so much more safe, right? We talk about Jesus in the Foursquare church a lot. I love that. Jesus is our Savior, He's our healer, He's our baptizer in the Holy Spirit, and Jesus is our soon and coming King. I love the fact that those are the four squares of the four square gospel. There will be a quiz afterwards. How many of you guys had somebody say, I asked you before, you go to what? You go to a four square church? What's that? Right? Now you know, the four squares. Savior, healer, baptizer, king. Right? Tattoo that on your arm. But, but that you can get, some, I know somebody's actually got a four square tattoo, it's funny. But he's got it. it. It's awesome. Anyway, nevertheless, I won't get one. Uh, but, but I can tell you, I believe in it. I love it. I'm just not a tattoo guy. Not personal. The guardrails. So, so two weeks ago, Pastor Steve came up and he shared with us about Jesus being our healer. And we got to pray for healing. It was phenomenal. Last week, we talked about Jesus being our Savior, right? 
It's fun. We had this, uh, just as a by the way, we had this really cool opportunity in our life group last week. If you haven't, if you're not in a life group, get in one. And if you don't want to get into one, a piece of paper on the seat back in front of you, fill it out, say you want to get in a life group. But it's amazing. We, we talked a little bit about what, what uh, it means to have Jesus our Savior. So we let everyone around the room share their story of how they came to know Jesus and how Jesus came to give them life. And, and so basically it was their testimony. It was kind of fun because we dawned on us that every single person around the room shared something about some engagement that they had had with someone in life that shared with them something about hope, about future, about um, uh, healing, about something outside of the context of this thing called church. In other words, they did it, something happened to them at work or, or happened to them at, at, at school or happened to them at camp. Or had, nice. Guys, you can come over here. Why don't you come in the front? Right there, see? There you go, right in the front. I love that. I love when our kids come in and hang out with us in church, right? It's either because they're hungry or the teachers are bored. One or the other, right? So, no, come. I'm glad. Glad you guys are here. I, I want to talk to you today about Jesus being the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. I love that. But there was a day that I was afraid to preach about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was afraid. In fact, I went, I remember I pastored a church for about two, maybe three years, and I didn't mention one time the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you why. Because I was confused. I believed in it. I, I walked in it. I, I experienced it. But I just was confused at how to say it. I didn't know how. And so I remember one time I was like, you know, I had, my, I had all my sermons all lined up and what I was going to do. And I remember when the Lord just had this little sweet, you know, those little whispers he says to you that kind of gets you like a bucket of water in the face. That little whisper was, Lance, um, I, got something, I got a question for you, Lance. And I was like, what's that, Lord? He's like, are you embarrassed of my Holy Spirit? I was like, ah, no. Just don't understand it. Enough to say it. I'm glad to, um, you'll be happy to know that I think I've come a ways from that. And now it's one of my favorite things to talk about. I love talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Two reasons. One, because it's amazing. And two, because it makes a lot of people squirm. It makes everyone, makes everyone feel a little bit like, wah, I don't know. Here's the funny thing. I know my calling in life, right? I don't think I'm the greatest preacher on the planet. I don't know the greatest singer on the planet, greatest leader. But I can tell you what I am good at. Here's what I'm good at. Here's what the God, God has really equipped me to do. Walk into dark places and flip the lights on. That's what God's called me to do. Just walk into places that are really dark and gray and just turn the lights on. And then I'll let people decide what they're going to do. So that's what I want to do today. I want to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit at any level I possibly can, as quickly and as best I possibly can, and turn all the lights on so you can decide what you want to do. Amen? So let's pray. Jesus, thanks for today. Thank you for an opportunity to talk with your people. I can't believe I get to do this every day. I can't believe I get this privilege. Lord, today, would you have your way as we talk about who you are? Help us to see you for who you are, Holy Spirit. We love you and need you in Jesus' name. Amen. Holy Spirit, interestingly enough, churches have split over misunderstandings of the Holy Spirit. Families have been divided over misunderstandings of the Holy Spirit. Wars have been started over misunderstandings of the Holy Spirit. People have blamed their crazy behavior because of the Holy Spirit. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. I think, quite frankly, it's difficult because there's a lot of pastors who, because we're, we're not clear in it ourselves, we have a hard time expressing how to communicate whatever this baptism in the Holy Spirit really is. Always amazes, to, amazes me because it, I always think to myself, 
there's got to be a reason that something supposedly so simple that a, a child can understand it is so confusing to an adult. I, I always think to myself, again, turning the lights on, why would that message of the Holy Spirit be so confusing? I mean, isn't the Holy Spirit just God's spirit? We love Jesus and we really trust God, but the Holy Spirit, hmm, we can't do without him because, because weird things get blamed on him. People speak in tongues, people give a prophecy, people say it was a gift, people say what they say, they say, they say, and it all just gets a little weird. And so a lot of churches are kind of like, yeah, you know what, we, in fact, I told you at one time, I went to this, I, I was invited to this conference where there was a church, several thousand people, they had the, the, the church was kind of at a, the, the last seat in the back was way up high, and it went down where the, the stage was down low, and there was a huge wall, I bet you the wall was 50 feet high, I mean, it was ridiculous. And, and there were three banners. One said, celebrate Jesus. Another banner said, celebrate God. Next banner said, celebrate Christ. And I was like, we're missing one third of the Trinity. <laughs> you can't even get a banner? It's funny, isn't it? I mean, the truth is, it's like, that, that's how we kind of act. Because quite frankly, I think we, because I think we trip and stumble over communicating something that's supposed to be simple. Why? Because it's so confusing I think the real reason why we have a hard time talking about it is one reason, one reason alone. Because the devil knows if we understood what the baptism of the Holy Spirit was all about, we, we wouldn't be the same. He knows what we would be like if we understood the infilling and baptism of the Holy Spirit. Here's the funny thing. Do you realize that the Bible says that if you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, you'll experience at least uh, one or, th or several of these three things. Comfort, counsel and power comfort counsel and power i'll tell you what i was the devil i'd do everything i could to mess up and, and distort that message because if he can keep us uncomfortable uh unwise and completely weak he he's doing a good job i'll tell you that devil's doing a good job keeping us confused weak and unsatisfied he's doing that really well right because the holy spirit the bible says would come and bring comfort counsel power. Huh. But see, maybe the problem with us is that we just don't understand. Because maybe we've been sold a cultural bill of goods. You know, a cultural bill of goods, right? I mean, some of you came from cultures that talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we would say things like, um, you know, that person is going to stand up and speak in tongues. Or that person's gonna, person's going to prophesy. That person's going to do this and that and, and shake or fall down or whatever it is. And we say, that's the Spirit of God. And some of you are like, I don't want that. I don't want that. That's weird. And so, so we, we oftentimes, what gets, what gets equated with the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, is something that's just not seeming normal. See, maybe he's not the problem. Maybe we are the problem in how we walk this thing out, how we experience it, how we deliver the message, how we receive the message. Maybe the bottom line with the baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't him, but it's us in terms of having understanding. So my hope today is to be able to unpack, maybe, maybe, maybe flip the lights on to some places to say, let's talk about what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is really all about. Amen? Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? Now, like I said, some of you heard this message or heard a message like this before. I'm so glad. I hope you hear it again a hundred times so that you can get it deep inside your heart enough to experience it, walk in it, and tell someone about it. Because I think, quite frankly, the, uh, the, the, the message is confusing that we've shared to people in general. So who is the Holy Spirit? The Bible says the Holy Spirit is God. It's God's Spirit. It's the Spirit of Jesus. It's God's Spirit. 
right? How do I know that? Because over and over again in the Bible, there are passages that are attributed to the Holy Spirit that are the same ones attributed to God. In other words, they'll say things like this, that God is omniscient. In other words, omniscient is a big fancy way to say God knows everything, right? Well, the Bible also says that the Holy Spirit is omniscient. How can God be omniscient, the Holy Spirit be omniscient? It's because there's God's Spirit. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 2.1. No one can know what anyone else is really thinking except that person alone. No one can know what God's thoughts except God's own Spirit. The Bible says that God is ever-present, that he's everywhere all the time. Listen to what it says in Psalm 139, verses 7 and 8, that the Holy Spirit is also omnipresent. It says in verse uh, 7 and 8 of 139, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If, you go up to he- if I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the place of the dead, you as well are there. The Bible says that God is omnipotent, which just simply means all-powerful, unlimited in power. Job 34, 33.4 says, For the Spirit of God has made me, and, breathed, and, and the breath of life Almighty gives me life. Remember, Jesus said he came to send the Holy Spirit. He went to heaven and said, If I go, I will send you the Advocate or the Holy Spirit. He says to send you comfort, counsel, and power. Comfort for what? Well, so you'll have peace. Counsel for what? So that you'll have wisdom. Power for what? So that you can walk around and show everybody how strong you are? No, you know what the power is for? The, the, the power is so that you can fulfill the mission that God created you to fulfill. You'll have the power to walk this thing out. That's the whole point of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Here's what the point of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. A bunch of things. One is intimacy with God. The other is to like go fulfill the thing you're created for. Sometimes we kind of tend to think that the baptism of the Holy Spirit has one purpose, to speak in tongues. Can I tell you that? It's way more than that. Way more than speaking in tongues, that, that, that's the, it's a beautiful icing on a wonderful cake is the speaking in tongues thing, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But I'm here to tell you today, like this whole baptism in the Holy Spirit is to give you comfort, counsel, and power to get out of here. Power to go do what you got to do. Power to share your faith into those places at camp and at work and at school and at play and whatever it is that you do, because you can be that person to you that people in our life group talked about were to them. That's what it, I remember playing football in high school, and these, these two guys, Kurt and Mike, they, they were both, and they were, there was something different about them. They didn't run around preaching. They didn't quote scripture. I know now, based on the fact that I have a relationship at this level, understand now that they were godly people. I mean, they, they would pray before. I mean, they would, there was all kinds of stuff, but they never beat me up and said, you got, they never said, turn or burn, Lance. They never said, you want to go to heaven or go to hell? You know, they never, they never even told me to stop saying bad words. I said bad words because I wasn't a Christian. Can I tell you that people that don't know what bad words are, people that don't, did you know that people, people who don't know Jesus act like people that don't know Jesus? That's rocket science. You know what I learned? When you know Jesus, you get changed, right? You don't have to keep saying bad words. Hallelujah, right? So, so you don't have to say anything. You, you, get to get, you get the filling of the Holy Spirit to help you walk this journey out. Amen. Acts chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, open it up to the book of Acts. I love the book of Acts. Oftentimes, the book of Acts becomes this, this place that we hang out in as if we're going to talk about this moment in Acts chapter 2, the beginning part of the chapter that describes this moment in time when a bunch of people were 
at this one location and the Holy Spirit showed up and they all, the Bible says, had tongues of fire on their heads and they all spoke in a different language and it was just a weird moment, right? We'll get back to that in a minute, but I want to go past Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through whatever and go down to chapter 2, verse 38. I want to show you what it looked like for someone who had experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit for the very first time. I want to talk to you about a guy who had just experienced this baptism in the Holy Spirit and the power that came upon him as he began to just start preaching. So here's the scenario. Imagine there's a bunch of people, they're all, they're all one point hanging out together in one place, and the Bible says at some point this mighty rushing wind came, so people were listening to some wind. They said there was this crazy moment, and all this stuff had happened, and lo and behold, out of blue, they all started just speaking in tongues. Let's assume there was 120 of them or something like that hanging out in one place. Oh, there's probably about that here, right? There's so many people hanging out in one room. If I told you all to start speaking as loud as you possibly can in some language you didn't understand, something tells me that it would be a little loud and confusing. Might draw a crowd, right? Well, here's what it did. It drew a crowd. Several thousands of people came and said, like, what's going on? They all show up. Peter says, whoa, hang on a second. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And it says, Peter replied, each of you, talking to these people, you must turn from your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin. Peter starts to preach to these guys, and the Bible says 3,000 people were, had given their life to Christ that very day. After he gets done preaching, something happened to his preaching. It was like supercharged, and he ended up seeing these people come to know Christ. Now, he says an interesting word. He says the word baptize. Everyone say baptize. baptize. Sometimes we get messed up in the semantics or use of the words in, in how we talk. One of those things is the word baptize. The word baptize literally means to immerse or to submerge, right? You've heard me say before, when you take, a when you take a, an Oreo cookie and you put it inside a glass of milk, you baptize it, right? You, you immerse it in Jesus' name. Preach it, brother. You, right? Baptize, right? Then you drink all the milk, and then you just start going for the bit because the good one's at the bottom, right? Because it's saturated. It's been baptized, right? So don't, get, lose, don't lose the definition. The definition is, in, is important. Baptized. Peter here says that there were thousands of people that ended up getting baptized into Jesus. Peter says, you need to get baptized into Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin. Well, that's a funny way to say that. Baptized into Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin. By the way, there was no mention of H2O at this moment. Peter wasn't talking about water baptism. Because otherwise, we would create a denomination or something called about that. Right? That's not what he's saying. He's not saying you need to get baptized so that you can get saved. He's saying you need to be immersed into Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin. Right? He goes on. Okay, turn the page. Go, go over to Acts chapter 19. I'm going to go fast. Sorry about that. If you want my notes, please email the office and we'll give you the notes if you want them. Acts chapter 19, verse 1. It says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled there through the interior provinces. Finally, he came to Ephesus where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We don't know what you mean. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Well, then what baptism did you experience? He asked. They replied, the baptism of John. Pause. What's the baptism of John? Well, it's John the Baptist, right? Remember, Baptist wasn't John's last name. Baptist was what it was that John was doing, right? John was baptizing people. What was he doing? John wasn't like saying, hey, now that you become a Christian, get baptized, because Jesus hadn't already come yet, or Jesus hadn't exposed himself of who he was yet. John was in preparation for the forgiveness of sin. John was showing them, hey, guys, 
You're about to experience this guy, Jesus, and when you do, it's going to be very important. So let's go on. Then verse 3, then what baptism did you experience? The baptism of John, verse 4. Paul said, John's baptism was to demonstrate a desire to turn from sin and turn to God. John himself told people to believe in Jesus. The one John said would come later. Verse 5, as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Translation, as soon as they heard this message that Paul was talking about, they all surrendered their lives to Christ because they saw the progression. Oh, that's what John was pointing to. He was pointing to Jesus. So now we are saturated and baptized with Jesus. We become Christians. The Holy Spirit has come to dwell in our lives. Do you realize the book of Romans says that you can't be a Christian at all unless the Holy Spirit is indwelling you? Translation, if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Amen. Remember, the Bible says, I will be with you, but later I will be in you. So we get the Holy Spirit in us. Wait a minute. So if the Holy Spirit comes inside of you at salvation, then why do I need this baptism of the Holy Spirit? Now, that's a good question. If the Holy Spirit comes and resides in my heart when I surrender my life to Christ, then why do I need a baptism in the Holy Spirit? What's that all about? That's a great question. I love this phrase, in the name of. Sometimes we, we lose translation in the context of words, right? In the, in the semantics of words, in the name of. Here's what the word in the name, the, the phrase in the name of means. It means in the authority of. So be baptized in the authority of Jesus literally means be immersed into the authority of Jesus. Become a believer. Surrender your life completely. In other words, fully, fully indwelled Holy Spirit. Can, can we just hit the pause button for a second and tell you this? Hey, listen, can, can we stop saying that phrase, that's a spirit-filled church, that's not a spirit-filled church, we're a spirit-filled church, but that's not a spirit-filled church. Can we just, because to me, that's such a separate, separating phrase. What we're trying to say is they experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit over there, but we do over here and they don't. And, and quite frankly, what it does is it makes us all get postured as to who's more important. If someone is a believer in Christ, they have the Holy Spirit inside of them. So evidently, that's a spirit-filled church too. I just think we divide way more than we try to unify. I think there's some places that we need to stop dividing. Some places we probably should draw lines and some places we shouldn't. And that's not one of them. I know what we're trying to say, but all we do is separate each other. Okay, unpause. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. I love this. John chapter 16. Again, I'm jumping around. Jesus is talking and he says, but, I, but now, this is Jesus, and go, I'm going away to the one who sent me. Now one of you is asking where I'm going instead you grieve because of what I told you. In fact, it's best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate or the Holy Spirit won't come. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and the coming judgment. I love this. Literally saying, I'm going someplace so that I can send the advocate, the Holy Spirit, the one who will bring comfort, counsel, and power. And if I don't go, I can't send him. So listen, he's talking to believers and he's saying there's something for you. Something for you. In other words, when you surrender your life to Christ and the Holy Spirit comes to reside in your heart, you know what I think you are? I think you are, you are heavenly ready. In other words, you are, you are completely heavenly ready. You could die today and go to heaven. Yay, amen. 
I think you're completely heavenly ready, but honestly, I think you're not earthly prepared. I think there's an earthly preparedness that he wants to do. Why? Because that's what he was giving us the comfort, counsel, and power for, to walk out this thing on planet Earth. That's what his whole point is, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, it would all happen in one big shot. Hmm. I believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something that happens subsequent to salvation. In other words, it happens after you get saved. It's after you surrender your life to Christ. How do I know that? Glad you asked. Acts chapter 1, verses 4. It says this, Don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you what he promised. This is being talking to these believers. Remember what I told you about this before. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Just like I said before, Peter said in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, each of you must turn from your sin and turn to God and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 8, verse 14 says this, when the apostles back in Jerusalem heard that some people in Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, this is important, as soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new Christians to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 17, then Peter and John laid their hands on them, and the believers received the Holy Spirit. I love that. There's this beautiful picture. So, so it just seems weird. Like I remember, I remember sitting with, she's now my wife and my mother-in-law, but at the time it was my girlfriend and her mom. We were sitting on their couch in the middle of Carbonado, Washington. And, and, and they were sit, I, I had surrendered my life to Christ. And they're like, yeah, Lance, there's like this thing that happens. You know, they were trying to explain to me what speaking in tongues was. I had no idea. I thought it was all about speaking in tongues. I didn't know that there was comfort, counsel, and power. All I knew was whatever it was that I didn't have, I wanted and so at 18 years old, I remember thinking, okay, whatever it is, I just want it. And I remember sitting there, and, and the next thing you know, I was, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was awesome. I did speak in tongues. There was that moment that it happened. Does it happen always when you ask to be baptized in the Holy Spirit that you speak in tongues? I don't think it always happens right then. In fact, I would even be so bold as to tell you this. You don't have to speak in tongues if you don't want to. But why wouldn't you want to? It's a choice. You can choose this. I'm speaking in English right now. I'm choosing to speak in English. See, the problem, I'm messing with your heads on purpose. Because what we're supposed to say as pastors is you're supposed to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then tongues will just start happening. And if you don't get tongues, you didn't get the Holy Spirit. Sorry, but that's not been my, my experience, for one. And for two, I don't even think it holds up theologically. I don't think you have to speak in tongues, but I think you get to speak in tongues. Do I think if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you can speak in tongues? Well, of course you can. The problem is in our head. The problem is, is we get so weird, we're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come and like possess our tongue. I can't help myself. I'm just speaking in tongues. That's not how it is. I have to choose to speak. I have to choose to speak in tongues. The problem usually is locked up between our ears. My opinion, but I think that's the big problem. Here we go. Let, let, me, let me help you. Um, before you came to know Jesus, you were, you were an empty vessel. Right? You were just an, a, a nice, beautiful, created by God, beautiful in his image, empty vessel. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, comes alongside and, and woos you to him. That's just a fancy way of saying that he's, the, the Bible calls him the come-alongsider. Right? It's, it's the word, the, the, the Holy Spirit's described as a Greek word paraclete. Right? And not the kind of shoes you wear for football, but the paraclete. Right? The, the, the paraclete, you know what it literally means? It means, a, that's where we get the word parallel. 
parallel. So it's like, it's like this is God in his spirit, right? And this is us. And it's like the whole time God is like, hey, listen, I'm wooing you to me. I want you to come. I'm really close to you. I'm telling you, stop doing that, but do this. I, I, I love you. I want you to know how much you matter to me. I'm going to send that lady in your life. I'm going to send that guy in your life. And, and the whole time he's just wooing us to himself by being close to us because he's the paraclete. He's the one who comes alongside. And then there's that moment when you're at school or you're at work or you're at home and your mom or dad or somebody's talking to you and you're like, you know what? I get it. Like all the lights just came on. All right. I need Jesus. I surrender. And you surrender your life to Christ. In that moment, you surrender your life to Christ. You know what happens? He no longer is alongside, but he begins to fill you. Now, now, here's the crazy thing about this, is that now you are filled with his spirit. You are a believer in Christ. Someone say amen. This is what you are. You are a container of him. You contain his spirit. Because you can't be a Christian, the Romans, book of Romans says, unless you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. So we have his spirit inside of us. This is the beautiful picture. We're able to walk in freedom. We can find, have in this moment, and we are heavenly ready that moment that we get a chance to now walk confident and sure with our relationship to Jesus. But there's something about that that's still missing. There's a, there's, there's a, there's a part of it that's still, there's a missing. Is if we have him, the real question is, does he have us? It'd be, it would be a lot like a, a moment of, of somebody who, who, who at some point in their life gets married. And if you've been married for 10 seconds, you realize that you are legally married. It'd be like this. It'd be like going to your wedding, inviting all of your friends, all of your family, everyone that you care about and love, come to our wedding, you come to the wedding, and then you, you say the words that the preacher says to say, and you sign the paper, and they sign the paper, and next thing you know, there's this legally binding agreement, not only on paper, but in words, that you have a spouse. You, then you, you, you sweep her up and you bring her to your new house and you walk her over to the threshold and nobody really knows why, but you, you do that and you, you walk her into your house and you set her down on her feet very lovingly and you say, honey, this is your new home. We're married now. And you turn around and walk away over into your man cave for 21 years. But you're married. You're legally bound. All half of your stuff is hers now. All half of her stuff is yours now. You are married. You don't even have to have a relationship to be married. In fact, here's the funny thing. You can have a spouse. The question is, does your spouse have you? You can get married in a minute. But beyond that moment of saying the words, the real question is, Polly and I have been married for 27 years, right? That moment I said I do, and she said we, she did, at that point we became married. I've been spending 27 years giving my heart to her. How often do I have to do that? A lot. Amen. That's what marriage is, is a constant giving of your life to each other. It's just like the baptism in the Holy Spirit. See, you can be in possession of salvation and literally have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, and you can have him. The real question is, does he have you? It's almost as if the Holy Spirit says, listen, you can be in possession of my spirit and have me and live inside this container all you want to. 
But you see, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I say the word baptism on purpose because of every meaning possible of that word baptize, which means to immerse or submerge or to saturate. It's as if God says, you have me, but this baptism in the Holy Spirit is when I get you. That's not supposed to happen. <laughs> Powerful. Powerful, but not the point. We got lights? I don't know, honey. It's just, somebody, they'll figure it out. Oh, you're, they're good. They're awesome. You got it? Get the phones up. There we go. Yay. We know this, right? We know the Holy Spirit. When we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, Jesus comes and lives within us. He dwells with us, right? Now watch this. Watch what happens when we receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit, who's the living water, not only fills us up, but he fills us up to overflowing, right? So much so that as he fills us up into overflowing, that we almost disappear. And what's left behind is him. See, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is us saying, God, now you have me. The problem with us is so many of us just say, God, I just want you, but I want to do it you, my way. <laughs> I want all of your blessings on my terms. See, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is really about a surrendered moment of saying, God, I'll just give you all of me. I want to fully be filled up to where it's overflowing into the life that, that you can't even see me anymore. You just see the Spirit of God in, through, and for me. So what does it mean to be filled? There's this baptism in the Holy Spirit, and then there's this infilling of the Holy Spirit. What is the infilling of the Holy Spirit? Is that a different thing? No, that's easy. The baptism of the Holy Spirit happens once. The infilling of the Holy Spirit happens a bunch. How do I know? It's just like marriage. You only have to get married one time, but you need to continue to tell you love her a lot. Right? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> You, you need to do that, right? You need to continue loving her or her loving you all the time. How long? For the rest of your life. That's what he said, till death do us part, right? That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the intimacy. So what about speaking in tongues? What is that all about? I love this. Speaking in tongues is a language between, well, it's a language between the bride of Christ and the groom, Jesus. It's a language between a husband and wife. Mm-hmm. You've been at that restaurant before, right, where you see that couple, the elderly couple, they don't really say any words to each other, but they say everything without saying anything. You know, I, I've been, it was, it was the other day I was with a couple. There's a guy and a gal, I can't remember exactly how it was word, working, but I remember um, she got mad at him for something because, well, they're married, right? So in, in, the middle, <laughs> in the middle of this moment, she said, he said something, and she goes, mm-mm. And then he gets all puckered up, and I was like, Oh, man, you're in trouble. You know, he goes, mm, or she said, mm-mm. I said, you know what she just did? He goes, what? I said, she just spoke in tongues to you. I said, here's all I heard, mm-mm. You heard something different. He goes, you bet I did. <laughs> I heard way more than that. And I was like, but all she said was, mm-mm. He goes, oh, no, she said way more than that, pal. You see, speaking in tongues is this heart-to-heart -heart communication that doesn't necessarily show up in English. Uh, Pastor Jack Hayford, he, he's, uh, uh, he was one of the... Uh, he was, he's basically, if the nation's evangelist is Billy Graham, I think the nation's pastor is Jack Hayford. Jack Hayford, part of Foursquare, I love him. I told this story before, but it bears repeating. I remember uh, he, there was a book that was talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He was on an airplane one time. Just finished a conference. Uh, somebody bumped him up to first class just to bless him. So somebody must have known and said, hey, I'll pay for an upgrade for him. So he gets this upgrade. He's sitting in first class, and he's thinking to himself, 
God, you're so good. I'm just going to hang out here and chill out in this big old reclining chair in first class, right? Thank you, Jesus. While he's there, some fellow sits down next to him. And, and in the middle of this moment, as he's sitting there quietly, he hears the Lord whisper to him. Now, when the Lord whispers to you, oftentimes we kind of think like, yeah, I don't know if that's God or not. Okay, Pastor Jack, he doesn't do that. Pastor Jack just does what he hears God say. So Pastor Jack's sitting there, and he hears the Lord whisper to him, hey, I want you to talk to the guy next to you. And Jack's like, gosh, I was kind of thinking of just sitting here quietly, not doing anything, but trust me, you've all had that conversation in your heads, right? right? So, so Pastor Jack's way more godly than us, but he sits there, and, and he hears the Lord say, I want you to talk to this guy, but I want you to, to not use English. I want you to speak in tongues to him. And he's like, all right. But here's what I want you to do. I'm going to teach you a language you've never heard before to say to this guy for the very first time. He goes, okay, what's the language? And he said, it's one word. Boo. Say it over and over again. And Jack's like, are you kidding? Now, now, if it were me, I would have said like, right! But not Jack. Jack, Pastor Jack just said, okay. And so he says out loud, quietly, boo. Boo, boo, boo. Boo, 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 boo. Boo, 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 boo. The guy leans over to him and goes, hey, what are you doing? He's like, boo, 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 right? He said, how did you know that language? He said, what language? He goes, the language I grew up in. I was born in the nation of blah, blah. We had a language when I grew up that was a tonal language. We just said one word over and over again, boo, 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 boo. You were saying to me that there's this God who loves me and that I can have my sins forgiven. What's that all about? See, any of us would think, that's not speaking in tongues, because tongues is a language. Languages have commas and periods and say sentence structure, or maybe they don't. See, because the Bible I read says, though I speak in the tongue of men and angels, but have not love, I'm just making noise. Maybe boo is a language. Clearly it is. See, the problem is, is that in our brains, we're like, that doesn't make any sense. That sounds so foolish. Perhaps. But every time I see a miracle happen in the Bible, it's always preceded by something ridiculous. Jesus spitting on the ground, taking the mud and wiping it on a blind guy's eyes and he's healed. A couple of fellas hang there, just lower their best friend down through a roof. And Jesus says, you're forgiven. Now stand up and walk. Over and over and over again, we see the ridiculous always precede the miraculous. So why wouldn't speaking in tongues be anything more than just something beyond our understanding? Maybe that's the big problem. Do you have to speak in tongues? No, you don't have to. You don't have to tell your wife you love her either. You don't have to walk in the fullness of communicating with your husband. You're dumb if you don't, for the record. He'll be really mad at you. All speaking in tongues is as a communication from your heart to his. You don't have to, but you can. What if, what if it's just simply because we've said to ourselves, I, for so many years, have so been opposed to this process because it doesn't make any sense. That's okay. There's a lot of things that don't make sense. I talked to a guy just the other day. I'm doing his mom's funeral next Sunday. Sat down at his kitchen table yesterday. And he said, Lance, I don't understand. I don't understand how God could take my mom from me. I don't understand how God could do this. And I was his football coach. And so he, he didn't call me Lance. He didn't call me pastor. He called me coach. Sitting in his house, he and his sister. And he's like, 
Coach, how come God could do this? I thought, tell me something. And his little three-year-old's running all around the house. And I said, Jake, let me tell you this. I said, I'm going to go into the kitchen in a minute, and I'm going to take this super sharp steak knife. I'm going to set it right on the edge of the table. And you know what you're going to do? First of all, your son's going to see it, and he's going to want it because it's shiny and sparkly. And you're, you're going to do, you're going to take it and move it to the middle of the table where you can't grab it. Your son's going to kick and scream on the ground because he doesn't understand how unloving you are. And he's like, well, that makes sense, but why would God do this? And I said, listen, dude, God, I said, dude, I said, listen, understand something. There's things you don't understand about God, but it's okay because he's got a different vantage point than you. He's bigger than you. Stop trying to figure him out. Just follow him. Maybe you're here today and you've never experienced this baptism for whatever reason, but you're here today. And I got to believe that God in his intimate, imminent, huge, omnipresent, omniscient way said, I sent you here to hear about this because you're ready for it. So today, whether you're here for the first time or the first time in a long time, or you're here and you've just been here for a while, and God's saying, it's time for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then can we do that today? Let's pray. God, you're pretty amazing. I think to start with, I just want to invite people this morning to a baptism into Jesus. If you're here this morning and you've never been baptized into Christ, you've never literally surrendered your life to him and, and, and allowed him to be your Lord and Savior. You've never really given your life to Jesus. If that's you today, I want you to just say, Jesus, I give up. I give you me. I want to be baptized into you, fully immersed in you. Like the Bible says, I want to be baptized into Jesus for the forgiveness of my sin. Maybe that's happening to you for the very first time today. Good for you. Say, Jesus, Thanks for salvation. Thank you for forgiveness. Maybe you're here and you've never experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's important. You want to know what it is. Right now, the Bible says if you ask for bread, he's not going to give you a stone. He's going to give you a, a scorpion or a snake. He's going to give you his Holy Spirit to anyone who asks. And this morning, if you're saying, I just want to be baptized anew in the Holy Spirit, you just say it. Holy Spirit, baptize me today. I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit today. I want to have the fullness of, of having be so immersed in you that I'm not even the one visible, but you're the one that's visible. And then I get to find comfort and counsel and power. It only comes from your spirit. Go ahead. Maybe there's a syllable or a phrase or something coming to your mind. Just under your breath, just speak it out. It's going to sound silly, I promise you. But go beyond your brain for a moment and get to your spirit. And if you know how to speak in tongues, can you just join me right now? Just pray in tongues. God, you're so good. In Jesus' name, amen. My challenge for you is to find a quiet place. Usually the quietest place is in the shower. Right? You're just alone. Just sit quietly against the wall, wherever it is you do, and just say, God, okay, I'm going to practice again. And you, and you watch. He'll give you a language. It'll sound funny to you, I promise you. It's going to sound weird because it's not going to be what you've learned. It's going to be something that just shows up. And it'll feel ridiculous. Yeah, it will feel ridiculous. 
But remember, the ridiculous always precedes the miraculous. But if you ask today to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, mark my words, you were. You were, because you asked for it today. Now watch out, because he's going to empower you. He's going to give you counsel. He's going to give you wisdom. So what does that mean? It means that when you're at work or you're at school or you're wherever it is that you are, be ready. Because someone's going to ask you, what happened to you? Someone's going to ask you, hey, what if somebody this has God that that's supposed to be loving and these bad things happen? Watch God give you the answers. Just watch him. It's pretty good like that. And then if you get stumped or stuck, practice your speaking in tongues and watch God build you up and edify you. It's kind of fun. If you have nothing else to do, just speak in tongues and watch what happens. God says you get built up in your most holy faith. It's awesome. Amen. By the way, we have one, just a minute left. Let me just say this. Do we have those pictures? I just want to show one of those pictures. So, so get this. I'm going to mess with some of your theology here for a minute. So, so this, this is the picture, picture of stairs, right? So forever, again, I know I'm going over, forgive me. But, but listen, I got to share this with somebody. Watch this. So when I went to Israel this last uh, fall, we were there. And forever, if you read Acts chapter 1, verse 38, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 1, verse 13, it says that they were all in an upper room. Have you heard that before? Upper room, right? And while they were in upper room, Acts chapter 1, verse 13 says that. Acts chapter 2 says they were all together in one place. Because those two chapters are side by side, we tend to think it was the same place. I'm not so sure. Because in Acts chapter 2, it says they were all together in the same place. Meaning, a same place. Doesn't necessarily mean the same place. In other words, they may not have been in an upper room. Get this. You know, we're all in the process of learning something. This is what I learned this last fall. It was crazy. Blew my mind. So, if I were to say to you, um, how, how many of you have ever lived in a house that was painted white? Everybody, anybody live in a house that was painted white? A couple of you? So I could clearly deduce from that that you have lived in the white house. You would say, no, Lance, our culture says the white house is somewhere else, right? If I were to tell you the phrase, gather at the place, and you were Jewish, my friend Mike Isaacson and I were talking about this this morning. There's part of our Jewish heritage that we skip over. It's simply this. If you were Jewish and you were in Israel and you heard somebody talk about gathering at the place, you know what you'd be talking about? You wouldn't be talking about any random place in some room upper. You'd be talking about the temple stairs. They were gathered at the temple. Why the stairs? The stairs is where they taught. They didn't have seats in a church in the temple like this. They had steps that they sat on that Jesus taught at. So I'm, talk, I'm like seriously reading my Bible. I'm re talking to guys there in Israel, and I'm like, wait, 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 what? They said, no, the baptism of the Holy Spirit happened here. It wasn't in a room that was upper in some place. And I was like, what? That's not what I heard. That's not what I know. And he said, think about this for a second. Put 120 people in one spot and have them all start speaking in tongues. And the Bible says the people heard their own languages from all over. How many? Thousands. How many? Well, 3,000 of them got saved that day. Where were the 3,000 people in the same room? No. They were at this place at the temple. They were all, wait a second. So they were out there, out loud, outside, speaking in tongues. People didn't know, got saved because they saw something happen. And my mind is blown. I'm sitting there. I'm walking around these very steps, the, the very temple steps that are right there. And some of them are the original stairs. Some of them have been refurbished, but most of them are the original steps. And I'm losing my mind. I'm bawling. And I start crying, and I hear the Lord just go, Lance, this was the birthplace of the church. This was where my church was, was born and empowered with my spirit. Blew me away. What does that tell you? 
It tells you that the Holy Spirit's ministry isn't to be confined in the four walls on 56th Street. That we're to be out in this world, sharing, loving, being filled, and empowered to go. Amen? Sorry, I didn't tell the first service that. I forgot. But they didn't have the lights fall out on them either. Good. Why don't you stand up? God bless you. Let me learn anything today? A couple of things? A couple of you? Good. Be blessed today. Practice speaking in tongues. Practice being filled and walking it out. All right? In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed. Give someone a hug before you leave.